Hey, you're with the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980 AM, or anywhere on the Odyssey app. You can also catch us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get it. Just search for the Rob O'Donnell Show. 58 degrees and light rain again at 4.09 here on this Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. You know, we started off the show talking about Mitch McConnell saying he was going to step down from leadership. You have the Hunter Biden testimony. It appears that maybe it's ended. I saw Representative Comer come out and give a statement saying that he was hopeful that the transcripts would be released of today's testimony by in, in two or three days. So uh, maybe by Friday or Monday. We'll see. Well, that's going on. And again, I don't expect anything major out of that. I guess uh, both sides will give their spin on it, as usual, as normal in Washington. I got a text message yesterday from an individual. Uh, he was driving on the highway here in, in, in northeast Pennsylvania, in Pennsylvania. I shouldn't say northeast. I'm not sure exactly where in Pennsylvania. And a sheet of ice came off uh, an 18-wheeler and, and smashed through his window, causing him some severe medical problems and issues. Um, you know, talked about how, how necessary it is for trucks. And I know I got a lot of truckers listening out there. And I know you do a great job in doing it, but we need to do better. I need to do better myself. I do it on my truck all the time. And, again, I only have a pickup truck. But I have that flat back. I have a cover on my my bed. So I, I make sure I have to get the snow off that much because that will come flying off in a sheet if it ices up a lot. And, and I don't want to see that, you know, for anyone else. But, um, you know, it was having a bad medical time of it. And uh, concerning, to say the least, I just wanted to give a shout-out to that listener I hope you feel better. I hope you, you heal up and it doesn't cause you any issues in the future as far as, as, far as being afraid to drive. I, I get that nervousness, especially when you get older. I, I, I hear you all the time. I was behind a truck the other day when we had some snow up by me, and there was a good layer of snow up there. I saw it rattling around, and I tried to get past the truck as, as fast as I could because I didn't want it coming off doing the same. But when that stuff ices up up there, especially when we have a couple sunny days, it's a uh, can get deadly. So I just want to give a shout out to that listener for reaching out to me via text message and uh, say hello and I hope you're feeling better. Uh, we talked about education and that funding and how it's it could set up a double-edged sword. And, and I'm glad for it. I'm glad the schools are getting the extra funding, especially if they've been underfunded in the past as per the, the court system here in Pennsylvania. But just know that that you're going to be looked at when you get this funding. You're getting a, you know, a mass influx of cash, and you better do good things with it, and your students better do better because of it, because uh, Pennsylvania is going to be watching. The Pennsylvania taxpayer is going to be watching. I hope school boards are wash, watching and not just looking to, uh, like we saw a lot with COVID, spend cash because you have cash. No, spend it wisely. Do what's good for the students because their, their test scores and their education need to, need to, needs to improve. No place... That's more applicable than the story I pulled up today from this study at Illinois spending. Illinois spending per student is one of the highest in the country. The Reason Foundation found that Illinois' inflation-adjusted education revenue grew from just over $13,000 per student in 2002. Now, in 2002, that was a lot of money per student, $13,000. There's school districts here in Pennsylvania that pays, spends that now. $13,000 per K-12 through student in 2002 to over $20,000 per student now in 2020, a growth rate that is ranked third highest in the U.S. A lot of it is driven by teacher pension debt, and Illinois is a pretty good example of that trend, said Aaron Smith, director of the Education Reform and co-author of a study 
during the time period we examined, their per-student spending and benefits went up nearly 200%. That ranks Illinois second in the country, going from $2,024 per student in benefits spending to $6,062 per student. Now, this is benefits spending for teachers. In 2022, Illinois had uh, $2,256 billion in total education debt, up from $2,934 per student in real terms since 2002. Despite the increase in spending, the study found that between 2002 and 2020, Illinois' total student population declined by 6%. At a time, the number of teachers increased by 2.5%. During that time, U.S. public school enrollment increased by 6.6%, while total staff grew by 13.2%. So in Illinois, Illinois, student population decreased 6%. Teachers increased by 2.5%. As a whole, the U.S. public school enrollment increased by 6.6% nationwide, while a total staff grew by 13.2%. So this is from 2002 to 2020, and we've heard we need more teachers. We need more teachers. We need more teachers. Well, you're, you're getting more teachers. You doubled the student population increase. During that time, Illinois' eighth-grade reading scores decreased by two points, ranking 29th in the country. Illinois. Student population decreases 6%. Teacher increases 2.5%. Funding goes from 13,000 per student to 20,000 per student. And 8th grade reading scores decrease by 2 points. One of our findings is that there, was a consist- there, there isn't a consistent relationship between funding growth and student outcomes, Smith said. The report notes that trends indicate that further statewide investments in public education don't necessarily lead to increased student achievement on standardized tests. Factors beyond overall per-student spending can lead to performance gains in states with low spending growth and can hold achievement flat with states with high spending growth. Governor J.B. Pritzker of Illinois said that he would like to spend more on education And that's what he has proposed in his budget. Spending for K-12 education will increase by about $450 million in Prisker's budget proposal, including money for transportation, special education grants, state literacy programs, and teacher vacancy pilot programs. The total amount of spending for K-12 in Illinois will be $10.8 billion in state taxpayer funds, if the governor's $52.7 billion budget is approved. The state must act on providing more funding for school districts in Illinois, says one of their uh, representatives. Our plan provides the state to pay more for education, property tax relief for all, and greater opportunity for growth, especially where it's needed most. We talked about this Yesterday here in Pennsylvania, because you're having a lot of Pennsylvania school districts getting the largest increase in funding that they've ever gotten in their history. We're about to see it this year if everything goes through. Uh, Governor Shapiro wrote today about higher learning here in Pennsylvania. Let me see if I could pull it up. 
that uh hang on here i'll find it governor shapiro it's a story on wpix Uh, Governor Josh Shapiro says the plan will make higher education more affordable and accessible for all Pennsylvanians, regardless of income. And Governor Shapiro wrote, now is the time to believe in the possibility of Pennsylvanians. Open up the doors to opportunity and invest in them. Now is the time to invest in Pennsylvania. Let's work together and get this done. And again, this is for higher learning. This is for college. This is for the PASHE system, community college system. And I ask a simple question. How many Pashi schools, universities, has he visited and spoke with students? He's never been to my daughter's school. She goes to a Pashi school out in Clarion University, which is now Penn West. Um, I have some friends in other schools who have never seen him. Yeah, I'm sure he talks to the administrators. I'm sure he talks to the Pashi board. I'm sure he talks to those people. How about the governor, when he talks about these programs, when he talks about students in Pennsylvania? I mean... There's only, what, 14 schools, Pashi schools? I mean, there's community colleges. If you add them, there's a lot more. Why wouldn't he go to each Pashi university in Pennsylvania and have a town hall meeting with students, especially students in very needed um, careers like teachers, nursing, engineering, any STEM program for that matter? Um, I, I think he would get greater feedback there, what's working, what's not working, when, you, when you're a governor, when, when you're in the government at any high level, you're surrounded by people who tell you what you want to hear. You're surrounded what, by yes people. I mean, it's just the way it is. They want to keep their jobs. They don't want to get in the ire of the governor. You want real honest truth? Go to these places and have open dialogue with the students that are there. Hey, what has been your experience here in this school? What would work for you? What would you like to see? How are you able to afford school? Don't you think if a governor went there with his people instead of talking to the Pashi board and, uh, you know, administrators and deans in these universities to speak to the students, especially in, in highly desired trades that are here that are needed, like teachers, nurses, STEM programs and such like that? You know, it's interesting. When I was in the police department in, in the, I think it was the late 90s, um, a member of the police commissioner's unit came to address one of our training classes and asked some questions. And I was very upfront about back with feedback about arrest processing over time, uh, how it could be streamlined, how things could be done better. And uh, I got a lot of pushback from the other officers there because they all depend on that overtime. When an arrest takes 12 hours to process, some officers like that, they depend on that overtime, that extra money. And, you know, they make arrests, they get a lot of overtime out of it. And if you streamline that process, I said, okay, well, we streamlined that process back when we were in the transit police. And the arrest processing took two hours. And then you could take that money that you're spending in overtime and have directed patrol overtime, where now instead of these officers sitting at the precinct filling out paperwork for hours or sitting at central booking for hours waiting for a district attorney to speak to them, you could get built in over time in two-hour, four-hour blocks, six-hour blocks where those officers could be out on the street actually preventing crime, deterring crime, pursuing crime. And, you know, I was asked after that to sit at the police commissioner's roundtable because they wanted honest feedback. If you ever watch, what's what's the, the movie? It's one of the only ones I watch um, with Tom Selleck, Blue Bloods. 
Uh, it's one of the only police shows that I actually watch this day and age. They brought in that lieutenant because he wanted the eyes and ears on the ground. He wanted the real facts of what were happening in the precincts, out on the street. Because that's the only way you're finding out what's happening. Because people you call in around you that are in the administration, they're telling you what you want to hear. They're telling you what, what um, they think you want to know. Or they're shielding you from what they think you shouldn't know. But as a leader, you should know everything. You should have every piece of detail. I don't care how good or how bad, you should have that information. So I would like to see the governor go to these schools, go to the universities around Pennsylvania, go to every community college. I mean, come on. How, you, you got some time on your hands. You've you got plenty of time to do all these other things and all these PR events. Go speak to some students in a nursing program somewhere. Go speak to some te- uh, students in a teaching program. Go to one of the local school districts and pull the, the five teacher's assistants who are interning before they take their uh, testing to become a teacher. Talk to them. Find out, hey, how was your, where'd you go to school? How was your process there? How could we make it better? What was easier? What could we streamline? That's where you get your details from. We don't have far as many people doing that. How many times have you seen, and I'm talking outside of small town. You know, if you live in larger cities, if you live outside in bigger areas, state government. When's the last time you had people come to you and ask you, hey, how can I help you in my position? What is your life like that we can make better? What would you like to see better? And use, actually use that feedback to do something. I think we'd see some better things. I think we'd see some better results. I think we see some real things. A great book that I suggest to anyone is Jocko Willock, Extreme Ownership. If you're in charge, you're in charge of everything. And if something's failing, it's because you didn't give people the tools and information they need to succeed. Every once in a while, you get just a regular bad apple. But it's also your fault that you didn't weed them out sooner. So Extreme Ownership, I suggest that's a read for everybody out there that does, hasn't read it yet. Extreme Ownership, it's a great book. It teaches you how to take control of everything, and you are responsible. If you're at the top, the buck stops with you, and it truly does. And if something's failing below you, you're not pointing fingers and say they did that or they didn't do that. You didn't give them the tools, the resources, or the information to do it properly. You failed as a leader, and that's what we need in leadership here, not only locally, Pennsylvania, but nationally.